Welcome to the Fitz Group Podcast for its members and our community at large. Our desire is to create a connection with our audience, communicate through seasons of transition, and empower you to make your business all you dreamed it would be. Join us now for the next episode of the story that will be told with our hosts, Fitz and Heather. Well, welcome back. Uh, I think this podcast typically comes to you on Monday morning, so happy Monday to all of you. Does it go out on Monday mornings? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Whatever day it is, happy day to you. We are so happy that you are here listening to us. We're going to do everything we can in a few short minutes to give you something impactful that will help you in your life this week. It will help you in your relationships. It will help you when you're out there closing a sale, hopefully. It's gonna help you as you're talking to your new agents. We want you to own the business that you know that you can own. Mm. And we are helping you in every way. So we've got 12 ways that we're helping you build the business that you wanna build in this podcast. 12, we can't decide what to name it. So we just didn't. We thought that was creative and cute. We hope you find it that way as well 12 ways 12 ways to i want to say 12 ways to dot 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 so everyone's like 12 ways to what and they can't help but listen (laughs) so anyway we've already done four in our podcast last week be sure you watch that if you haven't seen it and today we're going to cover four more so the first one that we're going to talk about is the importance of being helpful it's so important to be helpful Mm. um okay Here are ways as leaders in our business that we can be helpful. It's really important that we uh, pick up the phone and call, not just text. Uh, Our, you know, like it's amazing. Like um, this generation, what, I mean, they like date over text. It's kind of crazy sometimes. Um, I don't know how they do that. They do. You first get the Instagram handle and make sure you like each other on there. And then you get the number. Then you can date through texting. Uh Uh-huh. I know. I don't know how they effectively, you know, build a relationship. You know, in our day, it was like you stayed up all night talking and it was so fun and all these sweet memories and you made a connection. You had a moment. Um, Well, you need to create a moment and be helpful with your people um, by calling them. Mm. Too often you just get stuck in this and you assume too much through texting. And I know like I'm not the best texter. Um, I really hate texting. I hate having to think through how to say something in a text um, because there's no like, well, there is autocorrect, but there's no like, once it's out there in written form, it's really hard to like go back and correct it. Mm. And I always feel like I have to, <laughs> this is terrible, but I feel like I have to dispense pleasantries. Like I have to always be like, oh, I hope you're doing, I just want to get to the point in a text. Um, but when I call you, I have an opportunity to actually um, not just hear you, but sense, feel, know how to effectively respond and actually be helpful to whatever it is that you might need. Yeah, I think so much can be um, misunderstood in written word. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I heard it once that, you know, when you write something to somebody, they're going to receive it in the mood they're in mm-hmm. when they get it. And you could say something completely neutral, but they take offense to it because they're in a bad mood mm-hmm. and they just got bad news or something. So I know for me, like the texting thing, I'm, I love texting. I mean, I, I, I'll do that all day long because I find it so efficient in, um, in, with time. But often it's so ineffective or it ends up taking it down a road I didn't want to. So I really, I feel like I've gotten into a pretty good habit of just recognizing, okay, this requires a phone call mm-hmm. and just 
calling or or texting them saying is now a good time for us to actually talk because I can't text right now. Something else that I'm seriously guilty of is we need to visit with each other rather than Zoom with -hmm. each other. Now, I love Zoom. Mm -hmm. I loved Zoom before the pandemic. Wish I'd invested. I did not. But it's uh, or or some form thereof. I mean, it could be FaceTime, could be whatever uh, video formatting that you want to do. But I like it. It's effective. I can, I, or efficient. <laughs> I can talk to 15 people, bang, 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 and see them. I do love the, the impact of being able to see each other and uh, see the, uh, the, the facial twitch or the body mannerisms or the thing I just said, did it really impact them positively or negatively? I can almost read the body language and see if there's an offense. But look, you're just this little screen. Mm-hmm. There's so much more transference that can happen in person. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, hey, whatever you feel about Jesus, he led 12 people 2,000 years ago and there's you know billions of people still following him 2,000 years later. He did not do Zoom calls. He lived with those guys for three years, lived with them. They, he, they knew what each other's farts smelled like, right? And I, that, is that offensive? I don't know. But there is a transference that can happen because you're in person. There's things, when I'm working with an agent, there's things an agent can pick up from me more so than the 30 minutes we had allotted on this Zoom. Then uh, in person, they pick up on things. They mm-hmm. pick up how I said things or how I did things or, or just an offhand conversation I had with somebody. I know like this morning, an agent reached out and said, hey, I want to come to Dallas and just kind of hang out at the office and watch how the office works and watch your system and your process. You're not going to pick that up on a Zoom. I think it was really smart for that agent to reach out and say, can I come visit and hang out in the office? Because they're going to learn so much more. And again, some of the side conversations we have in the office are never going to make it onto a Zoom call with that agent. Right. But but when you're here or when we're there, it, it, it does get picked up. Yeah, I also think that it's important that to have an overall attitude of being helpful. Mm. I think a lot, this is a lot, um, as a leader, when you're trying to help your agents, um, it's a lot, again, like raising kids. I do talk about that a lot and, and make that analogy. But, you know, if my kid is trying to get out the door to go to school and they're running late, you know, I will help them. I, I'm like, okay, how can I help? Can I get the water ready? Can I get the snack in the bag? Can I help mm. you in some way? Now, sometimes there are situations where they might reach out, like right now, if they were to calling saying, oh my gosh, I forgot this book and I need you to bring it to me. I can't help them, Okay. So I think uh, as, a, as, an a, as a leader, in any way that I can make it about them and help them, when I can, mm. do them a, do them a uh, favor, make it better for them, I will. There, of course, there are times that you can't just do, you can't, you've got to say this isn't good for the team as a whole. But on that one-on-one relationship, anytime that you can help them, give them a leg up, in any way, be there for them and make it easier for them, do that. You win a friend. You, you're making a connection. You're being helpful. Yep. Number six way to is don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. Um, an example might be if you're late. Oh, I'm late because, uh, uh, you know, traffic. All right. Well, you're late every day and it's the same route every day. Maybe it's not traffic. Maybe you're not leaving early enough. You need to own the mistake rather than making an excuse for the mistake. I, th- I think this is one of the biggest voids in leadership in our world today mm-hmm. is um, is accountability for actions. Instead of that, we make excuses. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, I'm sorry. It was the intel I was given. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, well, hey, you, hey, you know, it's just it, I, it's their fault, not mine. Those excuses, I just feel like, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. I would respect you so much if you just said, hey, I thought this was going to be a good idea. And it wasn't. It was a bad idea. My bad. Let's figure out how I can fix it. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to. F- I made the mistake. I want to figure out how I can fix it. We we had a recruiting strategy here in our office several years ago, and and ultimately after a couple of years, I decided to pull the plug on it. I pulled the staff in and that were in that world, and I said, "Look, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. It's not your fault. You did everything I asked of you, but it was just a bad plan, and that's my fault." I ended up paying them a severance. Mm-hmm. Do I do that? Do I do I make excuses? Of course, everybody makes excuses, but that's an example of I made a mistake, and I just wanted to tell them it's not you. It was me, and I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I just made a bad decision, and I'm trying to make it right now. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite John Maxwell quotes is, "Leadership is disappointing your people at a rate they can endure." Mm-hmm. <sighs> Listen. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Everybody gets that, that people make mistakes. But constantly making excuses for that, people don't respect. And they're not going to follow it. Yeah, when you don't allow yourself to make excuses, then your behavior has to rise to the standard of which you expect your people to perform. Yeah. So, for example, because it's super easy. Like, if you weren't out knocking out the numbers this week, it's super easy to, you know, kind of, you know, you're going to, uh, make it, you know, make the conversation, make excuses, make them believe that, oh, your week was really, really uh, just had the obstacles in a way that you couldn't overcome and then, but expect something different from them. After a while, your people will start sniffing out that inauthenticity. Um, so it's sometimes the excuses is because we really just don't want to do the things that we know that we need to do. It's easier to make excuses, but your team will never respond or grow because they won't be able to handle that rate of disappointment right. because they'll figure out that you're full of excuses. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think to your, like you're saying, just owning your mistakes. If it was an off week for you, own it, but you don't get to do that over and over again. You got to show them what it's like to get back on the horse and work this week your people will respect you for that if you will eliminate and stop using excuses and i think sometimes when we make excuses we're now giving our people the right to use that same exactly. excuse instead of saying hey i didn't make enough dials this week mm-hmm. i didn't plan for it i didn't execute for it instead of saying that a lot of people say you know what i just thought it'd be a good week to spend some time with the family mm-hmm. now you've just given your people that same excuse, excuse. you've mm-hmm. just said to them that that excuse is acceptable and listen, spending time with family is important, but bro, you just didn't make dials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't make up a story. You didn't make the dials. You could have done both. Lots of people do, but you made the excuse and now your people are going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. The next one is a really tough one. Mm. Uh, it's let go of anger. Number seven. Number seven. Seven ways to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the seventh way is let go of anger. So I'll tell you, when I felt like this was so much harder for me at a younger age because I can remember the just the hurts as a child, the mm. hurts that came from family relationships, the first boyfriend that hurt you, the first friend that disappointed you, the first, you know, business partner that betrayed you. Um, those things were always like that, that. I love that Sheryl Crow song. The first cut is the deepest. You know, those were always the hardest one for me to get through. And, um, and uh, people would say, oh, you have to forgive. You have to let it go. And I just remember kind of internally just being like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> 
I think as I've gotten older, I am still just as human as anyone else, and I feel anger just as often probably as anyone else. But I think maybe the way that I've learned to flush it, uh, maybe the epiphany that hit me, is um, I'm one of seven billion people in this world. And sometimes I think when I insist on holding on to anger, like, how dare someone else do that? I make my world like it's, it's the one and everyone else is, you know, 6.9 billion is like, well, 6.9999, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, they're all itty bitty people and I'm this big, you know. When I get the perspective of little old me and this big old world, I kind of realize like maybe life isn't happening to me as much as it is life is challenging me how are you going to respond to me and um i know we i get it my world i mean you know we are, my world matters to me your world matters to you but sometimes we just have to remember that we're a little cog in a big world and um it helps me at least flush out that anger a little faster and i just think okay this is where we're at this is what's happened this is what we got to do now how are we going to move forward and listen, <coughs> I mean, some of the things you just said, for sure, like a lot of people, you have every right to be angry about yes, things. Yes, right. Um, I, I, nobody's ever going to say you shouldn't ever be angry. Mm-hmm. I, would, I can't teach that with good conscience because <laughs> I'm angry daily. But it's like, well, I'm not all the time, I sound bad, but you get what I'm saying. But it, you have that right. But what I've seen in people who stay angry and never let things go, it really starts to affect First, it affects relationships, Mm -hmm. but long-term, it starts affecting their health. I've seen it literally kill people. Mm. The anger that they hold on to and can't let go, you just, over time, you start seeing that anger. What is it, they, um, uh, being angry with somebody or not forgiving somebody is kind of like drinking poison, expecting them to die. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. You have to let it go, and I feel like, maybe you can give me a nod, I feel like the older I get, the faster I'm getting, I, I release the anger. Yeah. Um, you, you, me too. I just said the same thing about me. Totally. It's harder when you're younger because you, you just don't have the same perspective. You don't have the perspective. You don't have the maturity to see mm-hmm. what's going on really. And I asked you the other day, I was like, man, how can I be so angry at this person and yet have forgiven them? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you've forgiven the person, but you haven't, you haven't move past you still hate the action the evil action, the evil yeah. action that's there and i go okay because i want to if they were in a desert and needed water i would gladly give it to them right and at the same time i want to choke them out <laughs> <laughs> right? anybody else feel that way i'm the only one okay awkward but it's um i i'm i'm more concerned with with uh, the anger uh, is the destructive nature of anger right. that it really brings out brings out outwardly but but even scary even more scary is the internal danger that you're creating for yourself by not letting it go right you know and i'm, I'm sorry because i know we're going a little long on this podcast great. but this is another really good point about anger is a lot of times it's misplaced and we don't even realize it mm. we think we're angry at the person who hurt us but the reality is we're angry at ourselves mm. you know and actually my six well almost 16 year old son the other day I was so impressed because he's like, he's talking about his soccer coach and the team has not done well this year and they've lost a lot. And he's like, he gets so angry and he gets so angry at us. He's like, but sometimes I swear, I think he's just angry at himself (laughs) because he knows that it's kind of his fault that the team has failed. And I said, well, yeah, I said, I I relate to that as a mom. Mm. Sometimes I'm yelling at you. And the reality is I'm mad at myself because I allowed this behavior to go on. 
um, you know, sometimes we're just mad at ourselves that we got into that mess to begin with. And, um, and uh, you know, again, we're not that important. I mean, I, I don't mean it rudely like you are. It's, it's finding that fine line between recognizing that you've got a treasure and a value worth offering the world. And at the same time, there's an entire world going on around us. And it really kind of goes on with or without me. And you know what? I can get over this and move on. Yep. Number eight, be willing to change. The number eight way to dot, dot, dot. To get better. Be willing to change. Um, you know, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts is Adam Grant. I love Adam Grant, one of my favorite speakers and, and favorite authors. And um, uh, he uh, he does a podcast. Um, uh, all of a sudden, I'm forgetting the name of the podcast. Oh, crap. But it's... Um, search Adam Grant. Yeah, search up Adam Grant. Uh, he has a great podcast. Just recently did a podcast about perfectionism. And, and I feel like the little bit of spirit of perfectionism kind of goes in our house just a little bit here and there. But he was talking about how in college... He was, a, uh, he was a, a, a collegiate diver, you know, on the diving swim team. He was a diver at Michigan State. And he had his, his former diving coach on there, and they talked about how um, he would, uh, you know, I don't know the terminology, but he, I think he called it blocking. Like you rehearse the dive before you dive it. He never would. It was like it took forever to finally get him to the dive because he just had to get the rehearsal of the dive so perfect before he did it. And uh, he said, you know, that's the thing about perfectionism is we're going to keep – he, and this is what he, this was self-proclaiming. He was, he, was, he was acknowledging it about himself. He said, I keep trying to get that thing better and better and better and better and better to the point of perfection. And that focus takes me away from the fact that that might not be the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to perfect the wrong thing. And that focus took me off of that. And when I stepped back and realized I didn't have to get that thing perfect, now it opened up my mind to see that well, there's something else I could have done, I can do, and now I can change. And that actually takes me closer to excellence than, than I was going to be by trying to chase perfection. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. But we ca- I mean, we've already gone long. So <laughs> it makes so much sense what you just said. Um, I, I relate to that. Uh, I think being willing to change is um, also, yeah, it's about that. It, so it's the 360. Um, mm. It's none of us have we all have blind spots Mm. every single one just for a minute except the fact that you have a blind spot and you can't see it so who sees it the 360 the people around you who love you the most they see it right so but the problem is is most of us are too prickly in our blind spots we're just too darn sensitive to actually be willing to change or listen and like you just said it is holding us back because we're just so darn focused, but we're focused on the wrong thing. Mm. Um, you know, we just went through a little scenario where um, we've been like seeing a few doctors going through, we, we did this and I'm not gonna go into details about it, but we've done this dr- sort of what seems drastic, it's not drastic, sort of diet change. And he had an appointment with, uh, with actually just our gen- general do- doctor mm-hmm. And he called me after and he's like, God, I'm so mad. He's angry. Like, I'm angry. <laughs> he's like, this doctor doesn't agree with what we're doing and he doesn't agree with this or this or that. And I was like, okay. And I, I said, I said, yeah, you're, I understand why you're mad. I said, but you have to understand this is what we talk about. He's the dissenting voice. So you can't just blow it off because it's not what you want to hear. Hmm. Now, the other thing I will say though, is you cannot take one voice 
and change based upon what one person in your life says. You need a multitude of counselors. Mm. So like, for example, in this business, you know, maybe you've read it in a book this week and it hit you and you're like, ooh, maybe that is something I need to change. And then maybe you heard it coming, um, you know, maybe it's on the podcast that we're doing and you hear it again and you're like, oh gosh, there it is again. And then you hear it from a top producer, you know, um, maybe your spouse said something. You know, so then now you've got that multitude that's telling you maybe this is something that I need to step back, get a more complete view, and make a change. But it's there is a willingness that is that's the hardest part is the willingness to see it, and then be willing to change. Mm. I think it's a good place to land. Yep. Thus ends part two of twelve ways to dot dot dot. It's going to make your it. business better. Sorry. Yeah, I hope, you're, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting something from it. I hope it's going to make your business better, your relationships better, all that sort of stuff. But uh, we're going to land it right now. We have part three coming at That's you next right. week. So, hey, now that you know, you know. You know.